When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride to bring you another episode of the Holder's Handful podcast. I was in the press box yesterday for the Raiders-Niners game, so of course I'll be giving you my takeaways from that game, but I'm going to change things up a little bit for you guys this week. I'm going to focus a little bit more on some potential surprise cuts so you guys can get a little bit mentally prepared for cutdown day tomorrow in case we see any, uh, any shockers or any surprises. And I'm going to spend a little bit less time on the takeaways since, let's be honest, yesterday's game was a... Uh, was a true preseason game, we'll put it that way, where not a lot of Raiders starters played. A lot of the Niners started ended up playing. We'll get to that in a second. But not a whole lot to glean on going forward. So we'll pay a little bit more attention to the biggest news story of the week, which is, of course, going to be cut down day. Other than that, let's get to it. I'm going to start things off talking about Gerald McCoy, who I thought was really the most impressive Raiders defender by far. And at times, he kind of looked like the only guy that really belonged on the field. But I'm going to start things off by, by taking a step back for a second. You know, when the Raiders signed Gerald McCoy, you know, I, I'll be honest, I was a little skeptical about it. You know, he's a 33-year-old guy coming off a major injury in a ruptured quad last year. You know, obviously reached the injury settlement with the Cowboys and didn't end up playing at all. Um, and then when they brought him in, you know, I heard member Rod Marinelli talking about, you know, him being, or McCoy having the, the twitch and the quickness and the, everything. It looked like he was kind of, you know, back to his old self. And I kind of took that as this is like training camp, coach speak and whatnot. But I'll tell you, yesterday he was as advertised and uh, he shut me up right away. And I don't mean to say this is like I didn't like the signing because, I mean, I thought it was a good signing at the time being, you know, being in uh, late or mid-August, I think was when they brought him in a few weeks into training camp. And obviously the Raiders needed some help at defensive tackle. But yeah, McCoy was as advertised. Everything the coaching staff had been saying, he looked quick. He looked explosive. He was getting off the ball. Even when the 49ers starters were in, he was still getting penetration. I thought he did really well as a pass rusher and as a run defender. I mean, there was the one play against uh, near the goal line against Trey Lance where he just blew up the, the trip play or whatever the jet sweep it looked like the Niners were trying to run and ended up forcing a field goal for him. And I mean, again, like to see a guy who was coming off a major injury and a major leg injury and still look explosive and still kind of look back like he was kind of his old self really I mean obviously not quite an all pro I don't want to give him that sort of distinction after beating up on what was mainly the 49ers second string after you know the first quarter or whatnot and I think he's going to be the guy that ends up starting for the Raiders at the three tech you know Quentin Jefferson has played this preseason and I can tell you you know maybe I can probably count on one hand the times he really stood up or popped off the tape and I'll tell you yesterday Gerald McCoy was absolutely flying off the page. And I know some people are going to go watch the box score and tell me, oh, he didn't have any tackles. But that didn't ra- matter for as much of his impact that he had. And, I mean, he talked about it in his press conference. He's getting ready to go for the preseason opener. I'll tell you this. He looked pretty damn ready, and I'm excited. And I'm fired up to see what he can do this year. All right, next guy I'm going to talk about is going to be Devry Hamilton. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I'm sure you guys are tired of me talking about the Raiders' fourth offensive tackle position, and I'm sure I've talked about it way too much than it really matters. But 
as you guys know, it's been a point of emphasis for me this preseason, and I think a point of weakness for the Raiders this preseason. And I was hoping that signing or re-signing, bring him back, however you want to call it, Devery Hamilton would be a solution to that problem, but it absolutely wasn't. There were two plays or a sequence of plays that really stuck out in my mind of the game yesterday. And there was one that was a second down where he gets bull rushed back into Nathan Peterman's lap, and Nathan Peterman has to get rid of the ball quickly, I think probably went incomplete Nathan Peterman didn't play well either and then the next play he gets beat around the edge and Peterman has to scramble and the Raiders end up punting and you know if I'm top cable and I'm sitting there I'm like at the end of the day this guy is going to be the fourth tackle or whoever's going to be the fourth tackle he's not going to be a perfect player right I can take it if you know he's got a strong anchor and he just doesn't have the foot speed to get back to so I need to give him some help against you know those speed rushers or I can take it the other way around where the guy's got you know can fly back there, but maybe not the strongest anchor in the world. I can work with that, right? I can't work with somebody that doesn't have either. And I mean, at the end of the day, like I'll get to this when we're talking about surprise cuts, but I don't know what the Raiders are going to do with that position. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end up keeping three. I'll leave that as a little teaser for you guys. Moving on to Dylan Stoner, which best name on the team, by the way. And I will say this, I've been on Dylan Stoner being a great name since his like freshman days at, at Oklahoma State, so I'll go ahead and take credit for that. But anyway, I thought Stoner was by far the most impressive player on the Raiders' offense, probably the only one that really stood out. Maybe Trey Raggis. He had a few nice runs and some nice catches and whatnot, but Stoner to me was by far the best player on offense yesterday, and I tell you, he picked one hell of a time to have his best game of the preseason. He ended up finishing with three catches for 69 yards on six targets. And the one that really stood out to me was, uh, I think, a back shoulder throw up the sideline against Demondir Lenore for the Niners, who Demondir Lenore was having an excellent preseason, was getting raved about during training camp. And that was the only the second catch Lenore had allowed all preseason, and it was by far the longest. I think the one he allowed was like one catch for six yards. And that was a hell of a play by Stoner. Like I said, perfect timing for him to have a great game. Obviously, you know, going into this week when I was doing my roster projections, you know, I kind of just glazed over his name as somebody that's probably going to get cut, probably going to be a practice squad guy. But I'll tell you what, when I went back to revisit it and kind of before I published it uh, today on Silver and Black Pride, I had to stop on Stoner's name for a second and think about it. I'm not 100% convinced that he's done enough to make the roster. I think it will depend on practice. And I think I saw that, or I think I heard that uh, DJ Turner might have came up a little bit gimpy at the end of the game. So maybe that plays a factor too. But I really do think it comes down between him and him and uh, excuse me, Stoner and, and Turner for their last wide receiver spot. And special teams is going to be the difference. I know Stoner did take uh, some kick returns yesterday. But to be honest with you, he's done that a few times in the preseason. Hasn't really looked impressive. And Turner hasn't been, you know, outstanding by any means either, but I think he has a little bit more value on there. I think he's a little bit better athlete, so he might end up getting the the nod over Stoner, but a hell of a game for him nonetheless. And I think if he does make the roster, we can point to yesterday's game as the big reason why, and probably the main reason, to be honest with you, because it was a pretty quiet preseason for him for the most part. But hats off to the guy for having his best game when it mattered the most. And, you know, hopefully it works out for him. We'll see how these next two days go up, come about. But I think he definitely earned a spot over the, on the practice squad. And I think he definitely uh, moved ahead of Keelan Doss on the depth chart uh, after yesterday. So we'll see what happens. The next thing I want to talk about has more to do with scheme than any sort of individual player or anything like that. 
And that's that the 49ers basically had their way whenever they wanted to run so any sort of read option or inverted veer, basically any sort of option that involved the quarterback, especially when they ran it with Trey Lance. It felt like the 49ers could kind of get whatever they wanted when they ran those plays. It didn't really seem like the Raiders were holding up much resistance, and it seemed like guys weren't really sure how to defend it. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I understand it was the second string. That kind of stuff happens, you know, obviously with the starters in there. It's similar to what we were talking about last week with the the Rams offense being able to kind of dink and dunk their way down the field. You know, starters get in, things can be different. But what was concerning to me was a few guys looked lost. And again, maybe that's maybe that you can chalk that up to youth and inexperience. But there were guys that were being left unblocked as the read man and kind of stuck in no man's land. And again, the 49ers kind of moved their way down the field whenever they wanted to run those plays. And guess what's going to happen on Monday Night Football in the season opener? Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are going to come in and start running a bunch of read options and inverted veers and take advantage of Lamar's legs. So that's why I'm a little concerned about it. You know, again, starters in there, maybe it's a different story. Maybe guys are more disciplined. But I was, from what I'm seeing, and obviously I'm just reporting on what happened in the game, I wasn't terribly confident. I'm not terribly confident heading into Monday Night Football that the Raiders exactly know what they're doing. Whereas if they were able to just shut it down with the twos, you know, I think I talked about this in week one with the defense playing better. If they're shutting it down with the twos, if they're doing with the twos, then I can safely assume that the ones are doing that. But the, that works the other way as well, too. It's like, again, I'm not going to be sitting here like, oh, the Raiders are going to get killed on Monday night because they couldn't stop them in the 49ers in a preseason game. But it's a little concerning when I'm sitting here thinking the best running back or the best running quarterback in the NFL it's going to be coming into Las Vegas on Monday Night Football, and I just watched a rookie carve him up using a lot of the same schemes. Hopefully we see some improvement with those starters in there, like I keep saying, but it was not a not a comforting sign for me. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys can talk me off the ledge a little bit. Let me know how wrong I am in the comments section or something, but not exactly what I was hoping to see from the Raiders yesterday in that department. The last player I'm going to talk about is going to be Amik Robertson, and it's not necessarily for what he did specifically yesterday, but just because he's had a great preseason, I feel like I need to give him a little bit more love than I have been. Now, I think we all know what happened last year, right? He was learning a new position, and he struggled. He saw it on the field. The coaching staff talked about it. I mean, it was just an ugly year for him, and it looked like a little bit too much for him. But this year, he's gone out there. Coach Gruden's talked about it. I've noticed it. Plenty of other people have mentioned it as well. And he's just looked a lot more comfortable on the outside, taking some reps more on as an outside corner. And yesterday he did play a little bit of nickel too, but obviously Nate Hobbs is kind of the headliner there, and that's not necessarily where Amick's future is. But anyway, I thought he had another fantastic game. I think one of the biggest things for Amick that has been that was an issue last year that he's shown a lot of improvement from in the in the preseason is going to be tackling. Last year he missed a ton of tackles, um, especially for how little he played. And then this year, he didn't miss a single one, ended up finishing with 12 total tackles. So he's a guy that I'm really excited about. I think he's going to add a lot of depth to this cornerback position for the Raiders and in a position where they could kind of use it. So I think it's really good to see his growth and development this year, especially in this preseason. I mean, he ended up only allowing 44 receiving yards, which is great. Did allow quite a few completions, but at the end of the day, if you're making the tackles and whatnot and keeping people away from first downs, that's all that really matters. And I mean, I honestly think Robertson could probably further down the line, maybe midseason or even later, end up taking Damon Arnett's spot as that third cornerback. And that's not to say that Arnett has played poorly this preseason. I just think Robertson's played that well, and I've loved what I'm seeing from him. You know, obviously the future will will tell everything, and we'll see how that goes during the regular season. But 
fantastic three games for the guy. I'm really happy for him, and hopefully it ends up being a guy that the Raiders can count on down the line because I'll tell you what, the Raiders could use some help at corner. All right, we're going to pivot to surprise cuts, and I'm going to give you one for each position group. And as a reminder, these cuts are supposed to be surprises, so if you see something you don't agree with, I completely understand that. And I'm not trying to say that these guys are going to get cut. I'm really just trying to kind of give you guys a little bit of a, a mental preparation for tomorrow in case we see something that, that we didn't quite expect. And we'll start things off at the quarterback position. Now, I think this one should be pretty straightforward. Derek Carr obviously isn't going anywhere. Marcus Mariota, well, apparently the reason why they didn't play him in the preseason was because they were holding him out for the regular season. So obviously those two guys are pretty well safe. The one that's going to be in question is going to be Nathan Peterman. Now, I'm a little conflicted here because every year of the Gruden 2.0 era, the Raiders have kept two or three quarterbacks on the roster, including last year when they had the expanded practice squad and Nathan Peterman was on the squad. So I'm not 100% sure that Nathan Peterman will get cut. I feel like he might be safe if we're counting the numbers and basing it off um, the history. But I do think there's a legit chance that Nathan Peterman gets cut. And I think what the Raiders can do if they're smart, what they'll do is they'll, put, they'll cut him and hopefully he doesn't want to leave, and hopefully you know everything's going good with the organization and he wants to stay, and then they can sign him back and sign him on the practice squad. And with the NFL's practice squad rules this year, you can call up a player up to 90 minutes before game time, so Peterman can still serve as that, as that uh, emergency quarterback if the Raiders need him in a pinch, and be on the practice squad where he's not holding up a roster spot for somebody else, which when we get in the linebackers, you know, I don't, again, the numbers might not work out to work out in the, a lot of people's favors. And I think can add some more flexibility for them to keep somebody else elsewhere. You know, the other option is if we're talking about the third string quarterback and Nathan Peterman, you know, wants to move on somewhere else and you cut him, I'm sure they can find another quarterback that's just as capable and put him on the practice squad. So I think Nathan Peterman could be on the outside looking in. It just kind of depends on the way, what your perspective is. Are you going to take it from what, what Gruden's done in the past in the last three years? Or are you going to take the context of this situation where the Raiders could use extra bodies at a position like linebacker and they're going to save that roster spot? At running back, I don't think this is necessarily a surprise anymore because a lot of other people have talked about it too. But I think it could be Jalen Richard. Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake aren't going anywhere, right? I think Trey Raggis has had an excellent preseason. Like I said earlier, I think he had a great game yesterday. I think he's firmly on the team. And I think with Jalen Richard, he's obviously missed basically all of training camp. I mean, he might have practiced one, maybe two days this entire summer. And I think we all know how much patience Scrooge seems to have for guys with injuries. And I think one option the Raiders could do to kind of delay the decision is if uh, Richard's Foot injury is going to cost him more time. All we know right now is that he's out indefinitely, whatever that actually means. But if Rashard's foot injury is going to take a while to heal, and it's going to take at least six weeks, they could put him on PUP, which means he wouldn't be eligible to play until week seven. And that way they can kind of delay it and see how Ragus does against better competition and see kind of make the decision from there. But I would honestly be surprised if uh, Jalen Rashard ends up making the team over Trey Ragus. I feel like I feel like Ragus has earned it and. Right now, you can't count on Jalen Richard, and I mean, I will say that, you know, regardless of how you feel about the vaccination rules, the rules are the rules that the NFL have set, and if Jalen Richard refuses to get vaccinated, that's his choice, but guess what? That also makes it a lot more difficult for you to be able to stay on the field with, with the way the rules are in place, and I think with Coach Gruden, I mean, all that guy cares about is football, and if you're a guy that you're a fringe player on the roster and you could be putting the team at risk, 
I don't know how much patience he's going to have for that. Again, all this is we'll see at this point, but I don't think things are looking good right now for Jalen Richard. Next up is going to be wide receivers, and this is one that I think will actually happen, and I think John Brown ends up getting cut tomorrow. Now, John Brown has played in the preseason. He's been targeted three times, had one drop, and one catch for two yards. Not exactly what you're hoping for. And again, you know, he's a veteran. I know people will point to the fact that he was signing. He was kind of a big signing. He was their big wide receiver signing this offseason for the Raiders. But from everything that I've heard in camp is that Willie Sneed has been outperforming John Brown. And I will say from yesterday is Willie Sneed dressed as an emergency player and John Brown obviously played. So that should kind of tell you where those two guys kind of stand. I think Brown is far, or I think Sneed is way far ahead of Brown right now. And I think with that sixth wide receiver spot, what's going to matter, what I was talking about with Dylan Stoner and DJ Turner, is special teams. So with Brown being an older player, that's not really much of a special teams contributor. He's not a kick returner. I don't even know if he's ever done that in his career, maybe way back in the day, but certainly not anytime recently. And I just think that with the special teams and how important that's going to be, John Brown might be a better receiver right now than a DJ Turner or a Dylan Stoner. But Dylan Stoner and DJ Turner can play on special teams, whereas Brown can't. And when you're talking about a guy that maybe gets 25 targets on the year, something like that, that six wide receiver spot, you got to go with the guy that can contribute on the field. And that's right now is Dylan Stoner or DJ Turner. And I think I think we're going to see uh, Brown get let go. Maybe they'll come up with some sort of trade with them, trade with them, maybe get like a late round pick. But yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think John Brown's going to play a, a regular season game for the Raiders. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm not going to spend too much time on tight ends because I think this is going to be a, a position where it's all chalk, right? Everybody that we, that we think is going to make the team is going to, and that's going to be Darren Waller, Foster Moreau, Derek Carrier. The one guy that could be a potential surprise, I think, would be Carrier. Um, obviously, Waller's not going anywhere. Moreau is you know, kind of the breakout candidate for the team this year. And then Carrier is just kind of like that guy that's been you know the third or fourth guy on the roster for the last few years and you know maybe they want to go a little bit younger and I think maybe Nick Bowers will will take his spot but again I I have a hard time seeing that you know if we are in for a surprise that would kind of be the one that I'd say to look out for um, and that would be basically you know Bowers over Carrier but again I would be surprised if that happens very surprised I should say if that happens Next up is going to be offensive tackle, and I think the surprise would be is if they carried three, right? If they cut Jared Jones-Smith and Devery Hamilton. You know, Patrick Omame, he got moved back to guard this week. I don't. He might have played a little bit on the outside at tackle. I think he started the game at tackle, but I'm considering him a guard at this point moving forward. Obviously, like I said at the top, both those guys, Jones-Smith and Devery Hamilton, have struggled in pass protection. Um, you know, talked about the Raiders' fourth offensive tackle, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Do you... The Raiders want to approach this as we're just trying to fill a number or reach a certain number, or do we want to actually keep four offensive tackles that are competent NFL offensive tackles? If it's the latter and they don't find or they're trying to find four competent offensive tackles, I don't think that fourth one is on the roster like I've talked about. 
So I think those two could be gone, and that would kind of be my surprise is if the Raiders ended up keeping three tackles. And I don't think that'd be the terrible strategy. I think obviously you can move out Denzel Good in a push if or in a pinch if you really needed to. And Patrick Omome, maybe. I mean, I guess he could stand out there. I mean, obviously, as I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about, I might have a little heart attack if that happens. But I think I think uh, we could definitely easily see the Raiders keeping three and, you know, using Denzel Good and Brandon Parker as kind of the backup tackles and then kind of filling the roster with another offensive guard there. Interior offensive line is another position that I'm going to kind of gloss over here because I don't expect too many surprises or any surprises really coming from uh, coming from this position group. But the one that potentially could be a surprise would be Nick Martin. Um, the biggest thing here would be is if the Raiders are confident in Andre James, they think he's going to be the guy because Nick Martin was really brought in to just kind of be the insurance plan in case in case uh, Andre James doesn't work out, right? Obviously an inexperienced center, so you bring in a veteran backup in case of an emergency. Um, so, But I don't 100% think that would happen. I think Jimmy Morrissey would have had to outplay Martin in the preseason. I don't think either guys you know, look special or anything like that, but I think Martin is definitely ahead of where Morrissey is, and I think Morrissey will end up on the practice squad, which is nothing to be ashamed about as a seventh-round pick. But let's say the Raiders do want to go with the, a youth movement at the center position. Then I think you could find uh, Nick Martin on the chopping block, and then maybe they end up going with that seventh-round pick anyway. All right, defensive end. And I'm going to steal the surprise here from Vic Tafer, and it's technically not going to be a cut because I don't think this guy ends up getting cut cap-wise. But Vic Tafer tweeted out at the end of the Niners game basically saying, if teams call about Klee, he included John Brown in the tweet too, but we'll ignore that for now. But if teams call about Cleveland Farrell, what do the Raiders say? And I think, you know, if that's going to happen, if we're going to see a surprise from this position group, it would be that. Not cutting Cleveland Farrell because cutting him would actually cost the Raiders salary cap and wouldn't make a whole lot of sense because I do think Cleveland Farrell is the third best defensive end on this team. Obviously, that's not what you're hoping for from a number four overall pick. But, I mean, at this point, you got to just kind of play the guy with what he is. And I think he does have a defined role in this team. But then again, if teams start calling about him, teams want might want to use him as a starter. I think the Raiders do have to pick up the phone, and I think they could end up moving him. And that would be the kind of the biggest short of shocking news coming out of Raiderland tomorrow when it comes to the defensive end. Though I don't know how much of a market there is going to be for Cleveland Farrell. He's going to be a free agent pretty uh, pretty soon in the next, I guess, after next year. And you know has been kind of disappointing and has a has a bad stigma around him right now. So I'd be surprised if a team wanted to trade for him. But that's the one thing to look out for from the defensive ends for the Raiders. At defensive tackle, there's a surpri- another surprise cut that I think might actually happen, and I think that's going to be Solomon Thomas. Now, I'll be honest, I might be a little biased here. I was never a big fan of the Solomon Thomas signing, especially when they uh, cut Mo Hurst in the corresponding move. But with Solomon Thomas, I mean, the, the problem with him in San Francisco was that he was too small to play three technique and then not athletic enough to play on the edge. Well, Early on in camp, the Raiders coaching staff apparently found out that they thought he was too small to play three-tech. Now, some of you might be sitting there screaming, well, you probably could have figured that out on your own, but that's neither here nor there and, you know, kind of a mute point at this point. Moving forward, though, I think if you look at what Gerald McCoy's done, Quentin Jefferson is a Gus Bradley guy and has played well as a pass rusher in the past, and you had Darius Fallon have a pretty good game in the preseason, and Solomon Thomas was pretty quiet. I think there's a legitimate chance Solomon Thomas doesn't end up making the roster, right? I mean, the Raiders might play him at defensive end, but they already have five guys there unless Cleveland Farrell gets end, ends up getting traded. 
So I just don't know where Solomon Thomas ends up fitting in. And even if he is on the team, I don't really see him having much of a role. So why not give somebody else a shot? I mean, we'll see what happens, but I would not be shocked to see Solomon Thomas on the chopping block tomorrow. Linebacker is where things are going to get really interesting, and I think a lot of people might uh, might get a little mad with my potential surprise cut and the guy who I think might actually end up getting cut, and that's going to be Nick Wachowski. When I look at this Raiders linebacker core, you know they've kept five every year of the Gruden era. You know I think even what was it 2019? I think initially they kept four and then ended up bringing Kyle Wilbert back, but. The Raiders are continuing to run more nickel personnel. I think they've talked about that extensively with Gus Bradley as well. So I don't know if the Raiders are going to keep more than five linebackers again. Now, the caveat will be if Nick Morrow's injury is significant enough, they could put him on pup, and then I think Kukowski is safely on the roster. But if he's not, and they do want to keep Morrow on the active roster, and they're only going to keep five linebackers, I mean, you have Corey Littleton. He's going to make the team. Tanner Muse, who I'm pretty sure is going to make the team. Denzel Perryman was just acquired and is kind of a similar player as Kukowski. So I think he's going to make the team. Obviously, Mora would be on the team. And then it comes down to Divine Diablo, Nick Kukowski, and Javen White. And I mean, I'll be honest, like that is a tough-ass decision to make. And where I'm looking at it is I kind of think, you know, if you cut Kukowski, at least with him, you don't have to risk him getting picked up on waivers like you would with Divine Diablo or Javen White. With Javen White, since they're younger players, they'd have to go off waivers. And especially with Javen White, who's had a great preseason, if you put him, or if you cut him, another team could easily come in and swoop him up, and then the Raiders are SOL. With Kukowski, it's still a risk because you're going to cut the guy and he will be a free agent, but you can kind of come to a little under the table or handshake agreement of, hey, we might gonna, we're going to cut you, but that's just so we can put somebody maybe like a Javen White or a Nicholas Morrow on injured reserve so that we can give them an injury de- designation and don't have to risk losing them. Obviously, there's the risk of you know Nick Morrow not being exactly thrilled with that and wanting to go play somewhere else. Or sorry, excuse me, not Nick Morrow. Nick Wachowski wanted to go somewhere else. But I think that is really an option that the Raiders can explore Um you know, they did it in 2019, I think, again, with uh, with Josh Morrow. Um, and I think Wachowski, it could be a similar situation where they end up maybe cutting him and then bringing him back or just cutting him completely. Like I said, Denzel Perryman has a similar skill set. You know, Kukowski's probably a little bit better in coverage, whereas Perryman's the better run defender. But between Littleton, you know, and Muse and Divine Diablo and even Morrow, those are kind of your coverage linebackers. So what the Raiders are looking for or maybe that guy in the middle that could be that thumper in the run defender. And if Perryman has that same skill set, and Kukowski's been injured for the last two or three weeks, maybe three is a little dramatic, but it's at least been two, well, I think you got to go with the guy that you just acquired and the guy that you know does have some familiarity playing with Gus Bradley. And, I mean, I, I legitimately think you know Kukowski could be on the chopping block and I mean, I think we're due for a surprise in, in this uh, position group, no matter what. It's a, it's a group full of a lot of guys that are solid to good players, nobody that's a real standout, and so many injuries just makes this complicated because if you put the guy on IR now, you're going to end his season, or, you can have, or you're going to have to have him make the roster and take up a roster spot, which could end up screwing you out of somebody else. So the linebacker is going to have a lot of drama, and I think it'll be uh, right up to the deadline until the Raiders make that decision. So... It'll be on the edge of our seats for a while when it comes to the LBs. 
Moving on to safety, and I think this is another position that gets a little complicated with the numbers, right? Last year, they kept three. I think they'll keep four this year. If they do keep three, then I think they'll keep an extra linebacker, and Kukowski will be safe. But I have a feeling they're going to go with four, and I think Trevon Merrick, Jonathan Abram, those guys are hands down on the roster. And I think Tyree Gillespie's going to make it, and I think Dallin Levin's going to make it as well just because of what he's able to bring on special teams which leads me to believe that Carl Joseph and Roderick Teamer is going to be uh, the cuts. The biggest surprises coming from there is going to be Carl Joseph, obviously. And when it comes to Carl Joseph, he's a guy that I've liked a lot, a guy I liked when the Raiders drafted him back in, what was it, 2016 or whatever. And, you know, he's been, uh, when he's been on the field, I think he's been a good player. But the problem is, I think he's been off of it more than he's been on it. And even this year, he's dealt with a lot more injuries and dealt with injuries in training camp already. And again, I keep saying it, keep harping on it. We all know how much patience John Gruden has for injuries. And I think that's ultimately going to cost him as well as not being able to play special teams. If special teams aren't as important as I'm thinking, or maybe Tyree Gillespie is going to be the uh, special teams contributor from this group, then maybe Carl Joseph gets the nod over Dallin Levitt, who, like I talked about last week, doesn't bring much as an actual defender. So we'll, again, you know, you're going to hear me keep saying, we'll see what happens, but I would not be surprised to see Carl on the outside of the Raiders roster tomorrow. Wrapping things up with cornerback, and I mean, I don't really think this one is going to be much of a surprise anymore, but it's Nevin Lawson. Now, the Raiders do get some help because Nevin Lawson is suspended and they can't cut him, but at the same time, he doesn't count at, towards uh, towards the roster count or anything like that, so it's not, you know, that big of a deal for these first two weeks, and the Raiders, you know, they get to see what uh, Nate Hobbs looked like in the first two weeks to see if they want to bring back Lawson or not. But I'll tell you, I, I think Nate Hobbs has just taken his position. I think I talked about that last week, too. I think Nate Hobbs has earned this. They're earned the starting cornerback spot, earned the starting slot cornerback spot. And, I mean, yesterday for Lawson, I think, put the nail in the coffin. It, it felt like, and I don't think they were because it was a preseason game, but it felt like the 49ers were targeting Lawson. Like, they had a game plan of, like, yeah, once 26 is on the field, just throw at him. Like, he got... He gave up a few catches, and he got the benefit of a benefit of a few drops as well. And I mean, it was just an ugly game for him. And it's a guy that you know he's a veteran player. He kind of he is what he is at this point. And I don't know if you can really expect anything more from him. So I got a feeling that Nevin Lawson's days as a Raider are over. And even when his suspension is up in Week Three, I don't know if he'll be back on the team. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride if you're not already. And, of course, please follow me on Twitter as well, at mholder95. And please make sure to rate, review, and uh, download all the episodes of Silver and Black Pride. We really appreciate that. You know, we're trying to trying to grow the podcast here, and you guys are a big part of that. Appreciate all the support that we've gotten from you guys so far. And we're looking forward to getting to, to start talking some regular season next week. Let's go. Other than that, until next time.